Interpretation is a word from God that God has got a plan for us, Lord. God, we praise you. Thank you for this word, Lord. God, we want to look to you. Father, I pray for any of us in our hearts, God, if we're struggling, if we're looking to the right or left, God, we are, see the nation as it's divided, God, we see the uh, perilous times that we live in, Father, I pray for faith, God, give me faith, Lord, that I don't look away, that I don't get distracted or dissuaded, Lord, to go one way or the other, but Father, we want to be steadfast in you, steadfast in you, and like David said, Lord God, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Renew a steadfast spirit in me that we might teach sinners your ways, that you might rebuild your temple, Jerusalem, your church house. May it stand strong, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord God. Would you be seated just for a moment? Worship team, if you want to sit on the first couple rows uh, or you stay where you are, that's, that's fine. Just don't, don't go too far. Um, this week, and I really, can I steal your, can I steal your stand? Sorry. I've been in prayer, really the last several months, uh, over this, uh, this revival this week, and uh, just a lot of thoughts in my head. I really don't have notes for tonight. I just really want to just share my heart, uh, if the Lord allowed, and uh, didn't know if He would or not. But, uh, so just kind of informal tonight, okay? And then we're going to get back into prayer <clears throat> but um, we want to be able to hear the voice of God. Now, I want to be able to hear the voice of God, and I want to walk in the Spirit. And I hope if we've been learning anything these last eight, nine weeks plus, it's that the Holy Spirit is real. He has a job to do, and His job is to glorify Jesus Christ through a people who are willing to let Him do so. And, and we find that in the book of Acts, this great model of of what it looks like to be a spirit-filled church, and uh, you know, I growing up in in church and growing up knowing about this, it wasn't always a reality for me, and even still yet today, uh, it's not the reality that I want to be. When I read scripture and I hear great stories of old, uh, there's something inside of me that God has put in there that I didn't put in there that is a hunger for more of God's spirit. Anybody with me tonight? That there's something that I think is going to separate you and I from the rest of the American church, and that simply is going to be, do you want more of God's Spirit? And do we allow Him to be in control of our attitudes, of our actions, but also that we would believe God for supernatural working in His Spirit and His power in these last days? In Acts chapter 2, we see that this revival comes to pass, that these um, 120 have been up in the upper room praying for 10 days. And the Holy Spirit comes upon them and the tongues of fire fall uh, from heaven and the sound of a rushing mighty wind comes and they all begin to speak in unknown tongues as the Spirit gives them the utterance. And then Peter goes out to the marketplace, out to the square outside of that upper room and all the people have gathered and they think that they're drunk and they hear all these languages glorifying God. Every person that was speaking in tongues, what their tongues was interpreted to say is they were speaking mysteries and glories of God, the great, uh, great things of God. Their tongues or the Holy Spirit was glorifying God through them. And uh, supposing them drunk, you know, they, we remember that story. Uh, but Peter begins to preach and he preaches uh, two things, really. You could uh, concise it down to one of the longest first sermons uh, we see in the on the New Testament, we didn't get all of it, I don't believe, but Peter preaches to these uh, men and women. He preaches two things. One, repentance, and two, the Holy Spirit. 
He preaches the coming of the Holy Spirit through Joel chapter 2, that there is going to be a day that was, the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on young and old, free and slave, and men and women, that they were going to begin to be filled and used in the prof, uh, prophetic nature of the Holy Spirit. But he preached strongly repentance for the remission of sin so that you can receive the very promise that God has for you, uh, that God has so ordained. And as I think about this, how did all this happen? I think about growing church. I think about how we do Christianity today. I think about the American church. How did all this happen? In this moment, while there was this great festival going on and there were thousands and thousands of people there, you know, today, if you were to try to go to Walmart and even try to give away free pizza, uh, you wouldn't get 3,000 people, you know, here in on, on Saul Parish. Sometimes people look at you like, what's the catch? Is that free? What am I going to do? How do I want to get it? No, you like free pizza. You know, there would still be those... That, that we get some draw, but even I think even today in America, you can throw on a party, you can throw on a concert, uh, and it's even a challenge, even when we do outreaches to get 3,000 people. So how in the world in this big festival, because we know, well, we're trying to get to here to there. That's what American people are today. I'm trying to get to here to there. Don't bother me. Don't interrupt don't my routine. Don't talk to me at Walmart because I'm trying to get from here out the door. We're just go, go, go. That's how we go. And these people are gathered, and I know that there was a crowd there, but there was something supernatural happening that was drawing them in. And even, even uh, as Miss Evelyn said, go a few chapters later, uh, they have another several thousands worth of people. We don't even get the whole number because they were just counting men. So let's say 8,000 people, we don't know, came to the Lord in that one moment. How did they all hear? They didn't have microphones. They didn't have... Uh, campaigns, they didn't have internet, they didn't have Facebook, they didn't have slogans. It was simply the Holy Spirit had a sovereign move. And that's why I want to just briefly talk, just briefly tonight and get us into prayer. A sovereign revival of God's glory. That's what we need. A sovereign revival where God does it Himself. These poor fishermen didn't have a chance in the world to shake the nations. It had to be the sovereign move of God's glory, a sovereign move of God's Holy Spirit that would empower them to do great and mighty things far beyond their capabilities, far beyond their education, far beyond their means of money, finances. Uh, God, Jesus said to them, He says, you're going to come before rulers and authorities and powers, but in that day, don't worry what to say. The Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you what to say in that day. Jesus was laying the bedrock for you and I today. Something I think we've lost in the American church is the dependency on the sovereignty of God's Spirit. Uh, I've been wrestling with this. A a few uh, days ago, I listened to a podcast. I love listening to the great pastors and preachers of old because dead men don't disappoint. You can't get disappointed. Pastors don't fall if they're dead, right? I don't got to worry about who I'm following if they're dead. I know they did a good thing for Jesus, right? There's a pastor named uh, Duncan Campbell. In the 1950s, Duncan, he really wasn't a great pastor or great evangelist. He was just a normal guy. He had some reputation. But in the early 1950s, 1949, he was a Scottish pastor. And um, there was an island called the Island of Lewis. Anybody ever heard of the Lewis revivals in the 1950s? Very few people. In the 1950s, there's going to be the, the rundown of the story. Duncan was a pastor. He was preaching in another place, and he hadn't had much success as a pastor and hadn't done much. You know, he was just a normal guy. There's this island named Lewis, and Lewis 
had faced some difficulties. They had saw, seen their young people fall away from the faith, uh, and there was much complacency in the Christian world. The churches were dry. There was no spirit. Uh, there was a great falling away. But there was a little church and a little pastor and a couple of little ladies who prayed for God to move again. And this pastor had tried everything that he could do to get the young people to come to church with no avail. They couldn't get young people in the church, much like today. Trying to get young people in the church, trying to get young people engaged, young students and young adults, young families and and, uh, high schoolers and teenagers. And so they tried everything, and this sweet little 84-year-old lady, I think she was blind, she began to pray that God would move in her little island, in her little community. She began to pray, and God gave her a vision. And in that vision, she saw young people filling her church and just filling the church, and an evangelist there preaching. And so she goes and she tells her pastor, and pastor says, Oh, yes, ma'am, let's, let's do, you know, we, I believe in that. You know, I'm praying for that. He's a good, godly man. And uh, she said, Pastor, you've tried everything you can. It's not working. Have you ever tried God? <laughs> and so... She said, we ought to do a prayer meeting. And so she called the pastor, and they talked, and he said, yes, ma'am, let's do that on Tuesdays and Friday nights. Let's have a prayer meeting. And she said, great. Me and my sister, those two, two 84, 80-year-old ladies, they began to pray. The church began to pray, and they would pray from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. every Tuesday and every Friday for months. And one day they began to pray, and it was in an old barn, and an in the in a barn, some kind of a barn or a loft, I mean to pray. And a young man was there, and they began to read scripture, and they read out uh, some scripture, and he began to challenge them uh, with Psalms twenty four that says, "Who shall ascend on high?" Right? Only those who are righteous, those who have clean hands and pure hearts. And he began to challenge them, and the Lord came upon him, and he said, "Maybe you suppose we've been praying for months with no no nothing's happening. Maybe we've been praying with the wrong." Hearts. Maybe before we can pray for them to get right with God, we ought to get right with God. And immediately the Holy Spirit came down. Duncan says God stepped down from heaven. We talked about heaven coming down. God wiped three of those elders out who had been praying in the slain in the Spirit in a trance. They were gone for several hours just and lost in the presence of God. In that moment, the Holy Spirit just went across the whole community. Across the whole community, just because one 84-year-old lady said, God, it's time. I'm praying for it. And the church devoted themselves to a prayer meeting. Well, story goes that people began to get an awareness of God. People began getting saved all across their parish, all across their community. Uh, and so they began to talk, and they got Duncan. They called, and they said, we've got to get this evangelist in here. They called Duncan. Duncan, Pastor Duncan comes. Uh, he comes, and there's a church about like us, and it's about uh, two, three hundred people show up. He preaches, and nothing happens. They had a great service, and they just went out. And in, at 11 o'clock, they all filed out, and there's only him and this one little man left, and the, one of the men from that prayer meeting. And during that prayer meeting, you have to understand that what they were praying through those months, so that they were holding God to His Word and His promises, said, God... You said you would pour out your spirit on hungry and thirsty souls. God, you said you would quench the thirst, that you would pour out your spirit on dry ground. If we pray and humble ourselves, seek your face, you will heal our land. They begin to hold God to his covenant, to his word. So all that Sunday morning, all they all file out. And that man and that pastor still left. And nothing had really happened. 
And that man began to cry out to God right there in that middle of that aisle. And he began to cry, Oh God, you said in your word you would pour out your spirit on dry ground. They began to pray, and he prayed, and he prayed. So him and the pastor, somebody comes up to the pastor and says, Pastor, you've got to come outside. You've got to see something. Revival has just broken out. They walk outside those double doors, or whatever doors. They walk outside those doors, and there were six to 700 people gathered around the church. Didn't know what to do. The Holy Spirit had just drawn them. Nobody told them. No announcement. No campaign. No social media. The Spirit of the Lord drew in six to 700 people after church. And they walked outside and all of a sudden people began to read scripture and they began to sing and they began to sing for 45 minutes. They began to sing and all of a sudden people began to weep. Men who had committed sin began to confess their sin and there was just great weeping and on the other side great singing. And all of a sudden they invited the whole 600 people back in the church. They had church again. Now let me tell you something. That's revival. That's a sovereign move of God that goes beyond what you and I are capable of doing. It can't be our good looks as sanctuary. It can't be Pastor Heath's good preaching or the worship team's good singing. It's got to be the Lord and the Lord only. Because revival is a change of the community. I wonder, just like that old lady had asked them, and asked us, sanctuary, have we tried God? Have we tried God? We can try programs and small groups and medias and campaigns. And let me tell you, we do the best there is around here on all those things. But without the Lord, it's just work. It's just labor. And so after that moment, after they had that service of six to seven hundred people and gather on the church, spirit began to drew people. People began to show up at churches not knowing how they got there. People were stopping their work and falling into prayer. Young men were meeting in fields talking about God. Uh, there was even one moment where there was a high school dance, and all of a sudden the conviction of the Lord came upon the whole school, and the dance was emptied out, and they went straight to church and began to weep and pray and cry out to the Lord. Have mercy on me, O God. The biggest thing that was happening in that day was that people were weeping in repentance, saying, God, have mercy on us and our souls. There was another time where they were, uh, somebody came and got him and said, you know, Pastor Duncan, you've got to come because there is a crowd gathered at the courthouse. And at the courthouse, from a parish away, a town away, people began, to, uh, two to three hundred people had gathered around the police station because there was a, a man of God who was the chief of police. And God had drew these people from another community that they were just gathered around on the streets just praying and weeping, even some who had been intoxicated by alcohol, giving their life to the Lord right there on the courthouse square in the middle of the road, on the side of the road. People had just shown up because God was moving. This happened only in the 1950s, and it broke out for three years, a sovereign move of the Holy Spirit. You won't see that on the news. But it can happen because it already has happened, and it can happen again. If it can happen in Lewis, Scotland, it can happen in Gina, Louisiana. Amen? Hallelujah. From that ministry, many of those youth came to the Lord, and that dance that was emptied out in that church was filled with those students. That was the fulfillment of that old lady's dream uh, that had been praying for her community. You know, it may only take one of you getting serious about God and a move of His Holy Spirit. It may take one of you starting the fire. They would draw us together to say, God, we've got to have prayer meetings. 
We've got to get on our knees. We've got to fast. We've got to pray because, God, it's only going to happen with you. Our young people are not going to come to the Lord except the Spirit draw them. We can give as much free pizza away, and Pastor John does a great job, and we can give all the things, and we can burden him to death with all the work and put all the hope on Pastor John to reach our young people. But unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. You know, we're in a pretty big American crisis. I've been watching the news and very disturbing. You see the media intentionally sowing division in our country, sowing hate. There's no doubt about it. There, there, is, a, there is a working, uh, I think a spiritual working by spiritual forces to start rebellion, to start violence, to start hate, to start division in this country. You can see the hand of the enemy all over the, our country today. There are spiritual battles going on severely. Severe spiritual battle. I've been burdened for it and burdened by it in prayer that God would have to move on our behalf as a church. Uh, you think about just what has happened in the last several decades with the legalization of abortion to no prayer in schools to the Ten Commandments removed to just a few years ago homosexuality uh, adopted by our Supreme Court of the land. Pastor, pastors have been asked to turn in their sermons and we see all over America in their churches today a lack of repentance, watered-down gospel, lack of the Holy Spirit. Very few people seeing works of miracles and healings of the Spirit. And if they do, they seemingly are fake or imitated or, or of a different spirit. We see the new racial tensions in our country, lawlessness in our streets, uh, and the hatred we see sowing. And few in our churches are being converted Few are having genuine, authentic encounters of the Holy Spirit, genuine salvations, and many who get saved are quick to go right back to where they were. Why? Because I, I'll appeal to you, just like to that island, we really haven't been doing it with God. We've really been doing church because we know how to do church. We know how to do Christianity. We know how to live a Christian life, but we really don't know how to pray. We really don't know how to weep and ask the Lord to move and say, God, you have to do this. You have to do this. And so I want us to pray that God would give us awareness of His glory. I think there's not a, a holy reverence from the glory of God like there used to be in days of old. You know, I'm tired of reading about revivals like that instead of seeing it. I'm tired of reading Scripture like Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 8 when people just fell under the power of the Holy Spirit while uh, Paul and Peter and all them were preaching, you know. Uh, you know, Peter, when Peter was preaching in Cornelius' house, he just began to preach and the Holy Spirit fell because it was the Holy Spirit's job, not Peter's job. Peter didn't even want to go there. Holy Spirit had to tell Peter to get up. Here's a vision. There's guys downstairs. Follow them. Go to this guy's house. Then the Holy Spirit did it. We, in our lives... Do we have an awareness of God's glory and His power? Do we believe the Holy Spirit can move like He did in Acts? Do we believe it's possible? I think like Samson, um, I heard a pastor's preaching on Samson today that made me think about what we're going through as a nation. Samson had the glory of power of God and such might and strength early on, but because he had gotten so close to that line in his life and played with sin too long and gotten so lukewarm that finally he crossed that line with Delilah and the Spirit left him and the glory of God departed from him and he did not know it. You know, today in our churches, I think that many of our students have never experienced the glory of God. So we in this generation, this is all they know. 
They don't know the great awakenings. They don't know the great revivals. They had never experienced the great wailings and fastings and prayer and people's power, the power of God fall in our churches. So they have grown up in the last generation of Samson's life. But there's coming a time where when maybe the church is being about to be persecuted and we're seeing the tensions rise and the devil is saying, I won, I won, I won. What does Samson do in faith? He goes to that little slave boy who led him in there and though Samson was blind and beat up and emaciated and weak in faith, before he ever asked or repented to God, he asked that little boy, what? Put me where the two pillars are. That's where I want you to lean me against the two pillars. Because he knew if he cried out to God in faith, God would be mighty again. God's glory would come back. And this is what I'm praying for us God, I know we haven't seen you move like we ought to have seen you move. God, I know this generation doesn't understand the glory and the power and the might of God. God, I've only even read about it in my own life. I've only even read the stories. I only have the scripture to hold on to. God, I don't see it around me. But God, I know even as a church, even if our eyes are plucked out and even if we're weak and even if there's chains that are bound onto us as a generation, as a church, even if there's, you know, sex has moved into our teenagers and, you know, and all the marriages are falling apart and all the drugs and all these things are happening. And even in the church house, God, just put me in those two pillars, God. I know if you just put us in the right place, Lord, and then what Samson began to do, God, he began to repent And he began to ask for the Spirit to come back in his life, and then he pulled the house down. It is not too late for the American church to see revival. I don't believe that it's too late. I don't believe hope is gone. I don't believe that this is the end, and and this is how it's going to end. The Bible is saying that even though it gets dark, what happens in the dark is stark. The light is even brighter, right? There's three keys to revival I'm going to give you, and we're going to pray. The first, number one, in all these cases of revival is repentance. Every case of revival has always been repentance. That is what leads people in revival. That is what those people, those 600 people that showed up to the church house just randomly. How do they know how to get there? The Spirit. They begin to come and confess and repent, weep over their sin. Got to be an awareness of God's judgment. We don't have that today. I think that's why God wanted me to preach on it for the last two weeks. We don't have an awareness of God's judgment, of His power, of His might, of His holiness, of His majesty. Got to come back to that in this American church. And then secondly, fasting and prayer. Like those, those sweet old ladies who began to pray for their community. Church, that's our job. That's our job. The world's not going to pray for revival. We have to pray for revival. The world's not going to do the work to see a spiritual breakthrough. That's on us. So repent, even the church. God, bring us to our knees. Lord, we weep over our sin. God, we want to see your holiness again. Number two, we fast and we pray. God, we need to start prayer meetings in our churches. We need to start uh, movements of prayer in our ministries. Prayer's got to be the foundation of His church. And three is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What moved in that Lewis revival was a unique thing for that area was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that people were radically changed and called to the ministry by the power of God. Three things you and I need today in Gina, Louisiana is repentance, fasting, and prayer, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's, I want us to join together in prayer um, and ask the worship team to go ahead and just uh, get ready that God would just move, you know? How do we pray for that? Just to say, cry out, to say that, God, we need you. God, that we, we can't do it without you. Admit that we're powerless without him and that we need to come to that awareness of repentance. There's a joyful thing. The Bible says that we don't repent as those in the world. We don't have this 
godless sorrow, this worldly sorrow. We repent with this sense of satisfaction in what we're doing, that God, I'm sorry for my sin. I weep over my sin, and I thank you for the joy of my salvation. David said, it restored to me the joy of my salvation. He repented over his sins, but it came with restoration of joy. If we can get to a place as a church that God, we so desperately need you. And maybe you would commit with me this week. We got revival scheduled. We can't really schedule revival, but we have a special speaker this Saturday. You pray with me this week. Fast something with me this week that God would just move. It's going to only unlock through spiritual power. It's only going to come unlocked in the spirit. It was when they, those elders and those people began to pray in that little barn, something unlocked and God stepped down. What if this week this church began to really pray and God would just step down in June, Louisiana? Amen? Amen? Uh, would you stand with me across this place? Worship team, just begin to pray and play. Let's just, let's just go to the Lord. However you feel led to do it, if you want to come to the front, if you want to kneel at your seat, if you want to find a place to walk around. But as they play and lead us in song, let's not get caught up in the words or singing and, and all that. I want them to do that. But us, I want you to pray. Pray like revival It hangs on you. It only took one 84-year-old lady to see revival come to an entire island for three years. What can God do with you 50 in this room tonight? Come on. You believe it? Let's receive it. Hallelujah, Lord God. Let's just 